On today's show, we're going to be talking about rewarding contributions to your design system. Is it a futile effort or are we just doing it all wrong? Uh, I'm Luke Murphy. My pronouns are they, them. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Chin, pronouns she, her. We're both design advocates at Zero Height, the design system management platform, and this is Design Systems WTF. A quick word from our sponsor. Are you having trouble getting your design system to work for everyone in your business? Well, with Zero Height, you can have a central place where designers, engineers, product, brand, content folks, they can all come together and they can talk the same language to make your design system as successful as it can be. From documentation to token management to governance features, Zero Height is the most robust design system tool on the market today. And you can try it out for free at zeroheight.com. Now back to the show. So... I have to caveat that I 100% stole this question from Amy Hoop, who I will reference probably about 10 times in this podcast. She did an amazing conference talk last year at Converge. The video's online if you want to go and see it, all around how our contribution systems and the rewarding of our contribution systems is a bit broken at the moment, which came off a great conversation that I had with Amy. And so I wanted to keep that going in podcast form because I thought that you'd have some good... Uh, takes <laughs> hot takes spicy takes on this one i suppose just to start off with like do you think it's necessary to reward for contributions to a design system like every good design answer it depends <laughs> um i think if it is like quote unquote a side project that you have to fit in then that's extra outside of people's job responsibilities so they should be rewarded for doing that Yes. If it's an established design system team that you have a design system role or it's part of their role, then it's part of their job. So then they wouldn't get like extra reward. They're rewarded in the same way that they're rewarded for everything else that they do. Yeah, it's part of their job. So if they do a good job and then, you know, typical merit promotion cycles, whatever, yeah. right? It's not like an extra bonus, I guess. Because this is not to fully lead the question, but this is like the crux of it, right? It feels like a lot of, when we talk about rewarding contributions and setting up contributions to a design system, usually we're talking about contributions from outside of the design system team, right? Because it's what a lot of people do try and get towards with their design system, that their community is good enough around the product org that you've got folks from other teams contributing. That's where the discussion originally started when I was talking to Amy about this was, well... I mean, it's really hard to get contributions from these people because, you know, they, they don't seem motivated to contribute. And also, when we do get contributions, it's just from the very privileged few, usually white, cis, able-bodied men. <laughs> um, uh, because, you know, understandably, they have the, you know, the privilege and the, the space and the time awarded to them through that privilege that they can feel comfortable contributing to something without any... I don't know, repercussions? That's not even the right way of putting it. Without thinking twice, maybe? Yeah, without, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. They just feel that it's, you know, part of their remit to do that. And I remember Amy framing this as like, is the way that we're rewarding broken? And I kind of think it is. Yeah, I think so. Because if you think about I, so I think this is the other thing. Standing up a design system, you're like under this urgency of we need a design UI kit for the design tool. We need components like coded components, you're not thinking about rewards and contribution. You're just thinking like, let's just get this done. Yeah. And I think maybe we should be thinking about how does this fit into the work that we do? 
and what part does deserve to be rewarded, right? If yeah. it's a special bonus. And, and I think it could be like contribution for the, the greater good of your team because it's such a, a vital, it's infrastructure, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> not a product. It's not a product. So I, I think it's like, you know, even more important. So maybe that is special. So it does get some special merit, however that that is. But we did a Howie Document webinar, Dan Mall and I, and we talked about, we, we did some demographic questions. So Sorry, I just we need as to in, pick that name up that you dropped. No. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Dan Mall and I had a conversation around the Howie Document survey, which zero height we did. So did, we talked about how we did ask some demographic questions and it turned out to be like 40% women uh, respondents, which is pretty good because in the tech industry, at least in the US, it's like 26% female. Yep. So that's a lot more. He and I got into this discussion of like, do women feel more compelled to contribute to a design system because you know it's for the greater good? Because like, I think a lot oh. of times like women have a tendency to volunteer for things mm. because they understand the, the greater value and they're thinking more about the community. I, I think the other thing is like, people who are so burdened often feel very like almost obligated I took on the design system because I was like, this is to help the team out. I was already like swamped and overloaded, but I was like, this is important. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have that mindset. I should be like, it's someone else's problem. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is the thing when it comes down to it is when we talk about design systems, design systems are inherently a socialist concept, right? In terms of we're building something that is going to support the greater good. The whole thing that comes out of it is that this is going to prop up the work that, that you do and like help the work that you do. And that's why you should contribute to it because you contributing to it is going to help you, but it's also going to help your whole team, which is kind of at odds with the way that most of our businesses are structured. I don't know, yeah, or at least how the reward system is. If you think about, yeah, well, the way business is structured, yeah. because it's like, it's like, okay, we need another feature to then sell to customers or expand our client base. Yes. And so then your project and your goals become very feature focused. Yes design systems kind of help with that but not not exactly and because not, it's really like yeah, building not that, like yeah. super directly yeah, yeah yeah very indirectly so not bottom line directly so yeah if you had to pick between the two you're gonna want well some people are gonna want the business is gonna want the feature that they can sell that people can buy yes, yes. um and and this is where it comes down to the rewards because i don't know if it's fair because it's more around the, the folks i've talked so this is very anecdotal but most of the way that people get rewarded for designs for external contribution in design system work, it's shout outs. It's like accolades by being called out in all hands. It might be some cool badges or like swag, but it's very non release notes. <laughs> yeah. In being, being mentioned in the release notes, they're very soft ways that means that the motivation that is there is not, let me see if I can get this the right way, an extrinsic motivation. You're not getting any kind of like significant external reward for doing this, which is very different to your day-to-day -day job because it's yeah. like if you do really good on releasing your product, if you on the feature that you're doing because you have goals, you have OKRs, you have everything like that, if you do really well on those and you perform well on those, you will get a salary increase you will get a promotion you might get a bonus based yeah. off of your like metrics and your okrs and so it kind of feels like that these two things they end up being like it's always going to be a second class citizen contributing to a design system yeah it's like at odds with each other it's yeah. like contributing is like a second class thing but it's so important yeah. that it should be rewarded as like 
a very important thing. It's infrastructure. Like if you don't have your utilities, how are you going to do anything? Yeah. Which I suppose, and I think that's the thing. I think we're in agreement here. Possibly, yeah, I think so. In that when it comes down to it, I do think that the way that we should be rewarding people for contributing to design systems is the same way that we reward them for doing their core work in the fact that if your design system relies on external contribution and is only going to grow through external contribution, then you need to have that as part of their core work and you need to reward it in the same way as their core work. And I think, I don't know, the best way that I found in the past, not to solutionize here, but the best way I found in the past is make it part of core product org OKRs, which is a whole nother problem of getting it to that point. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it it's easier said than done because yeah. I feel like if you're going to make that part of the job description, like maybe the people team wants to get involved and ensure fairness and all this other stuff. But I guess what if you're in a team that doesn't have the luxury of making it part of the core role that you're yeah. just like, we need some components, ASAP. Can you take on this extra work? Like, should we reward those people? How should they get rewarded? Release notes, shout out. I don't know. Is there a better way to reward people? I don't know if, if, if you all want to be rewarded differently. It'd be kind of interesting really to hear. It'd be really good yeah. to hear if anybody, yeah, if anybody has had a reward that they actually really valued. Because I think when it comes down to that, it comes down to individual motivations. And that's when it comes back to that diversity problem, where if you're rewarding people in a way that is of lesser value than the way that they're typically rewarded for their work, then you're going to get people who have the comfort and the safety to work on things where they don't need that extra reward yeah. or they're not, they're not motivated by that, which does come down to an individual mindset thing sometimes. But I do also think that that usually there's going to be markers there of who will contribute. And I'm sure that there are folks who work on big design systems who can back that up with actual data. Hey, how we document might be able to help. But yeah, I do think money talks. Yeah, money, money talks. Always ask for more money, <laughs> unless it's going to get you laid off. Hey, I don't know. If you know, you can swing it in your org, and you say, "Hey, every contribution you make, you'll get an extra, I don't know, hundred dollars in your pay packet this month." I, I don't know. That might be a good way. Could be a cool test to do. <laughs> might do also you, bankrupt your company. But. Do you think that's going to get like? your design system bloated. Could, what happens if like person A is just like, oh my gosh, if I like realizes that this is a great money making scheme, I'm just going to every week make yeah. components. Like they make five, like one component a day. So in a month they make 25. Yeah. I do think when it comes down to it, the best thing to do is probably bake it into your core product work if you yeah. can, yeah. And which is not an easy thing to do. Maybe that's a future episode question is how do you actually go about doing that? Because you do have to do that from a top down. That's that can never be bottom up. You need to make sure that you've got buy-in from the very top to make that happen, which is not easy. Like, I'm not going to pretend it is. But I think then it's like the reality might be, hey, maybe we can't rely on contributions or at least like we can't expect we the success of our design system and the growth of our design system is not dependent on that. That's an extra nice to have. Or maybe it is just about teaching people about socialism. Like start from the beginning, teach your product org about why socialism is great and the greater good is is a good good thing to think about. <laughs> Again, I don't know, years of systemic training. Yeah, I, I think that's like a lot of unlearning that has to get done, but it's, yeah. I think it's possible, like changing people's behaviors. And then I think when people see that change actually benefit, then they can build trust and yeah, we can slowly change the world.
one component at a time. There's some good uh, comments in here around motivating product teams to actively contribute to the DS and difficulty around convincing the wider product or which I said it's not an easy thing but I do think that part of this is around it's around what we were talking about last week around building community and I think one of the key things around it is making sure you're not just focusing on the executors so not focusing on the designers and the engineers but also including the product folks in there and making sure that the PMs like doing as much as you can to educate and get buy-in from the PMs can just make this job a lot easier because yeah. if they understand if they can be taught the value of it, it's going to be a lot easier to then convince them to carve out some time. And uh, Hey, we've got examples of this working in the past. Yeah. I don't know about you. Every single product squad I've ever worked on, the engineers have had at least 10 to 20% of their time sort of squirreled away for tech debt, which is basically design systems are preventative tech and design debt. Yeah. Or it fixes tech debt that's what yeah, yeah. It either fixes yeah. tech debt or it's making sure that we don't have tech debt in the future um oh socialism capitalism that's that's the problem that's the actual problem it's just that we, we live in a capitalist society so how do you convince a capitalist focused stakeholder to adopt a design system or have that be part of the charter of the team and the product it's a really good question, and I don't think I know the answer. Do you have any ideas? I, You know, I don't either. I was just seeing if you had any ideas. <laughs> I do think that it is like, it, again, it goes back to what we were talking about last week around talking in the right language to the right people. And so I think it is like understanding the language that they talk in and the things that they care about, what their motivations are, and then working to that. Unfortunately, a big part of design <laughs> system is actually just doing stakeholder management um yeah it's a lot of change management figuring out who those stakeholders are in the first place yeah and working toward their motivations even though it might be a little capitalist yeah i mean i tear down capitalism but i still work for a paycheck don't i so as long as you know where you stand like, yeah exactly it's fine that's Just, what mike montero says in his book yeah very recommended book if anybody has not read it ruined by design it's a fantastic one and i believe he's just written a follow-up no, Ethan Marcotte has written um, about yeah unions. Uh, adjacent one, yeah, yeah, which is how to start a union, which is out on a book apart, which I'd highly recommend from a talk that he did around the future of work, which is very prescient at the moment with all the AI that is happening. Um, I think we can probably go to some questions unless you've got anything else that is burning to cover. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into the questions. I mean, basically, we've been talking about this question, but I do think it's a good one just to cover up a little bit in terms of let's talk more practical. Let's not talk yeah. theoretical and let's just talk practical here. So how should rewards for contributions to a design system differ when there is no dedicated team versus when there is a team? So if a global size company relies on designers to split their time between products and contributing to the design system and then communicating out to the team what designs are happening in their like somewhat siloed products aside from carving out more time and bandwidth to allow designers the appropriate space to contribute how could we make collaboration a safer space practical so i i think from my own experience i was put in charge of running a design system team but i had to make the team and i had to say i need a team i had to say i need people's time because they wanted people to work on it extracurricularly. And I'm like, if we want this to be serious, you will give me time. And yeah. so I got the time, but I think at the same time, I was very careful to not give the company the design system for free. 
Like it shouldn't be created on the extracurricular evening and weekend hours that our employees were going to do. That was a a deal breaker because I guess my worst concern is that stakeholders will be like, oh, why do you want more resources? Because you were able to pull this design system together without any. So I don't know why you need money now. So I wanted there to be some sort of monetary value behind that. Yeah. So I really pushed for like 10% of this designer's time every sprint, which is how I was able to to get that. I was like, if you take this seriously, then you need to cough up some hours yeah. or else. <laughs> and I suppose that's the thing. You were working towards building out a team, right? Like you did yeah. identify that that's what you needed. It's a bit of a hard truth because I know that there are so many folks out there that are trying to build design systems in, in sometimes in really large product orgs as well, without having a dedicated design system resource. And I think that it's possible in a non-ideal way at a certain size of company. And I think that that certain size of company is probably when your design org is less than 15 people. That's me just mark putting a marker in the sand. The more I talk to design system teams, And folks who are trying to do this, so not just the teams, but anybody trying to work on design systems, the more I realize you just need dedicated, like dedicated resource is a must if you want your design system to grow and to scale and to actually be effective, like to have that level of effectiveness that we talk about when we talk about what value a design system can bring. So I do think that, that sometimes actually using that as your focus of what you're trying to achieve, like you were saying, and then talking in the terms of this is what this is going to bring on this timeline, um, which, you know, sometimes you might have to fudge it a little bit, but there's so many resources out there. Shout out zerohype.com slash white paper. If you want a really good resource on showing value to your design system, I'll share those in the email afterwards as well. We only released it last week, but there's some good stuff in there. Like showing people, okay, this is what we're going to achieve in this much time and be realistic about that. Say it's going to take six months. It's going to take a year to stand this up to a point where it's going to start showing value back to the team. Um, Maybe six months to a year is a long time. It's accurate. I I think that's the other thing is like sharing that with your stakeholders to say like, we can either speed this up if we have that focus or if we want people working in their spare time that they have within their 40 hour work week, it's going to take six months to a year and then understand the outcomes of that, like putting those options out there because they could be like, Oh, let's hurry up and get this. You've got my buy-in let's do three months. Or they'd be like, yeah, I mean, six months to a year it is. And I think everyone then has to just be okay with that decision. Like no one's going to like it, but at least that's like the expectation that's been set and kind of understood. So then, you know, you're not going to push for the three months. But I, I think also once a couple months rolls around, people are going to feel that pain point to want to push the timeline oh, yeah. up sooner. They will yeah. usually start to see the value of it, even if it isn't like quantifiable. Yeah. I think that's the thing. If you can say this is going to take this long and these are the benefits that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. And that is where you can just use some industry white papers, um, ROI calculators, like they're slight bullshit, but they're based off of data. They're based off of research. So they usually do have a good grounding. And then do say, this is the benefit that we're going to get, right? Then you can say to them, so for the next six months, 12 months, this is what we're going to sacrifice to get there. Because it's like, if you can show them the reward of what they're going to get, what benefit they're going to get, 
then you can usually say, and, and you're realistic about this is how much time you need to carve out to get there. That's the kind of language that usually works well with, with senior leaders. It's like, this is the reward we're going to get. This is the trade-off we're making now. I do think that it's basically just being really um, realistic with it as well and not over-promising and <laughs> under-delivering. And if they come back to you and say, okay, cool, well, actually, you're going to have to do this as an extracurricular thing. Yeah. Say, cool, we're not going to have a design system or, hey, we're going to have a shit design system for a few years and say, that's the reality of it. I, I think I think practically speaking too, if there are bonus rewards at your organization, I think if you can secure that to yeah. know like, okay, if I can get some people to work extra on this, we can give them a bonus. But I think definitely make the bonus worth it, not like a hundred dollar yeah. gift card, right? Like for hours and hours that they've put into a design system. That helps because they are contributing to something that is very significant to the company. But I wouldn't have them do the design system and then go seek out a bonus. Like, get that bonus guarantee first. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going to try and do one more question uh, because there's a really good one here that I want to try and cover off. There is so much good conversation going on in the chat, and I can only read about half of it. So I'm looking forward to going back and reading this. Please come into Zeros and start yeah, having these we'll, chats offline. Because, you can put the questions in and then provide yeah, responses, maybe. I will I will definitely try and do that because I want to keep talking about... Oh, it's, it's also from Kelly. Uh, how do you encourage contributions when proper component flexibility and documentation can be time-consuming and our individual designers simply don't have extra time. I've got opinions about this. Shall I yeah. start? So I think this depends whether you have a dedicated team. So I am going to talk from the perspective of the assumption that you do have at least some dedicated resource, because I do think that if you don't have dedicated resource, actually, let's start there. If you don't have dedicated resource, I think you just have to accept the fact that you're components and probably the documentation is only going to get to a certain quality bar yeah. at least for a time period until you can iterate on it but again it's about being realistic if you can say that if you can provide some examples of this is where we want it to be like this is a pass this is like a pass level documentation or pass level flexibility pass level sort of amount of variations whatever it is then it's like this is like a plus and then this is like a plus plus that's really good to provide those benchmarks to the team so that they can have something to shoot for because i think one of the things when it comes to like how flexible your components are how extended they are and how well documented they are it's kind of like a never-ending thing <laughs> yeah it, it can always be improved it can always yeah, yeah be iterated Similarly, if you've got a design system team and you've got external people contributing, I think that, again, setting that quality bar and being realistic of people's time when they're doing external contributions, what you want from them is you want the idea and you want, like, you want the burning need satisfied with that contribution because you have a design system team who should then, their job is making sure that then the documentation is up to scratch. It's extended to the right point. It's flexible enough. And to be honest, in my mind, at least, they're the ones who should then should be doing the testing to see how flexible it needs to be for the team and then possibly doing the iterations afterwards, hopefully based off of feedback. Because I think that's the other thing as well. You've got to remember that contributions can scale. Like yeah. contributions can be literally a one line contribution of have we thought about including this with this particular component can actually be a valid, valuable contribution right through to a full component 
if you can at least document some of those levels, it can give people a, a guide of like where to aim for. Yeah, I, I really like that idea of like different levels because I think when we go look at design systems, we're looking at really top notch ones like material and carbon. And you're just like, how am I going to get to that level with like no resources? If you create these levels, you can also share it with your stakeholders to be like, you know, because we have nobody, we're going to go for like, D that's still passing <laughs> within yeah. the major, right? And if we had more resources, we can then scale and strive for higher yeah. to, to kind of really put the value on the design system so they, they don't get it for free. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic point. Yeah. Communicate those quality benchmarks upwards and as a way to say, yeah, this is what we could do. This is what we can do now. This is what we could be doing if you actually resourced us properly. Yeah. And I think that helps them understand because then they can't get mad when they're like, you have been working on the design system. Why doesn't it look like carbon? Why doesn't it look like material? You'd be like, well, yeah. that sets that expectation. Yeah. So. I feel like Polaris might be the bane of a lot of people's existence. It's also very helpful because, you know, helps with our token naming conventions and everything, right? That's, that's how we name tokens is just steal from Polaris. Oh, I was coming up with my own naming convention, <laughs> which I will share at some point um, in an article or a, a template or a toolkit. Because I think the other thing is like, this is totally a different thing, but I, I believe there's a role for information architects when it comes to creating your token naming structure and taxonomy and yeah. That Are we going to do a whole episode on token naming? Yeah. And information architects. Hey, if folks want that, just let us know. Uh, but I, that's all we've got time for today. It's been fantastic. If you've got any questions that you want to fire us about this topic or that you want us to cover in a future episode, please send them through either via the Zero Slack community, which you can reach at zerohight.com slash Slack or on X at Zero Height. Or you can email us at community at zerohight.com. Until then, see you next time. Yeah, thanks for joining.